Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze, discuss, and gush over Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Chris LaSalle. That makes me your other co-host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Chris, how's it going? All's well. It's Friday. It is. And we are joined one last time this week by Cassandra and Norm from Lord of the Rings Minute. Welcome back, guys. Hi. Hello. Happy Friday. Welcome. Yes, happy Friday. Thanks for doing the, doing the week with us. We appreciate it. Um, we're going to be talking about Minute 9 of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Minute 9 starts with an empty star field and some ominous music and ends a minute later with a Klingon bird of prey decloaking. So Ba-bom. good. So, so good. good. <laughs> it's a great start and end to a minute, isn't it? Yeah, I love the bird of prey. The bird of prey looks so cool. It does. Yeah, it's amazing. It's confusing, love, but it's amazing. <laughs> I I love that the uh, the decloak animation, the special effect. Oh yeah, the little stars. It's like so hokey, but it's wonderful. <laughs> it works. I totally agree with you. It works. There's a there's some moments in this minute that don't work for me. That looks kind of cheeseball, but it's yeah. I think it looks really cool. <laughs> cheeseball. Well, no, not not the decloaking. Just another part. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Do you like the the decloak? I do. I actually think it's pretty pretty great. Um, the only issue I may have with it is the lighting looks a little weird. And again, we're analyzing these movies one minute at a time, so we scrub over these. So when you, you know, when you see the little merchant vessel just sort of hanging out there, and then you see the decloak, like the bottom of the ship becomes darker. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like someone messed up the lighting scheme there a little bit. Oh, but I thought, you know, I see what you're seeing there, but I, isn't it just because the bird of prey is now blocking whatever light was shining on the ship? That could be it, but it just looks to me, it looks a little weird. Well, I see it now, and again, I've said it already this week, I'm not going to be able to unsee that, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's okay. totally plausible that that's what it is, but I just, I look at it and I go, wrong. <laughs> wrong. Well, let's jump back to the beginning in a minute, right? So we got this empty star field. Um, uh, we, we've, we've transitioned, right? The what, what did we say? The page has been turned. Uh, we're, we're now into this new scene. The music has changed. It's a little ominous, you know. So we know something's something's afoot, um, and we start panning in to see this new ship, and it's a ship we've never seen before. Um, the ship has a name. It's called the Merchantman, and uh, I think it's a pretty cool looking ship. Yeah, I think this is the first vessel we see outside of a Starfleet or Klingon vessel. Oh, in wow. like all the in, in all, all the, films. the films. Yeah, I, I, I that's what I was thinking too. When, you know, when's the last time we have seen a, a ship that we haven't seen before, either in the shows or in the films? And I think this is the first one, which are, is cool. Are they just like like space pirates or something? Like, do they have an affiliation, or are they just like free agents? My the the data I collected seems to be yes they're a bit of a free agent they are uh, like um, like pirates okay yeah cool because they stole something yeah that's true so the 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 kind of the first line we hear is this this the captain the uh, unnamed captain I could not figure out mm. 
uh, if this gentleman had a name. The guy um, in the foreground. The guy in the foreground. He's the captain. He's played by uh, actor Paul Sorensen, um, who uh, I think uh, same thing when we were talking about uh, trainee Foster. We should have seen. We should know this guy because he's been in a million things. Yeah. Um, he's been acting since 1954. Um, fortunately, he passed away in 2008. But he was in. And this is just a small list, and I was just picking out stuff that I liked off this list, right? <clears throat> he's on TV a lot. He was on F Troop. He was on The Monkees. Wow. <laughs> uh, the Man from Uncle. Um, and how about this one? This one's a personal favorite of mine, and I don't know how many people like it. Land of the Giants. Oh, wow. Huh. You guys remember that show? Yeah. I don't remember that show. I've never heard of that show. <laughs> so again, we're identifying the age gap here. In the room. I'm aware of F Troop because I watched TV Land as a kid. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Land of the Giants, recommend. It's a good, cool show, science fiction, good show. Um, the Brady Bunch, uh, Mission Impossible, Mod Squad, and Escape to Witch Mountain. These are just highlights. The, he had, he was, he's looked like he was Escape in everything. Witch Mountain. Is he the old, the cranky old man in Escape from Witch Mountain? I, I don't think I've seen that movie since I was nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same here. I only saw it like once when it came out, and that was, you know, that's the last time I saw it. Like a, like a rerun on the Disney Channel. Right. Was like, <laughs> the last time I ever saw that. Um, so anyway, very prolific, this guy. Um, and uh, he makes a good cranky pirate captain, mm-hmm. if you ask me. The uh, gentleman sitting next to him is, uh, uh, we'll call him First Officer. And he's uh, he's played by Danny Rogers, who's a, another one of these stunt man, stunt actors. He's just there to kind of fill the background and do some crazy stunts when bad things happen. I think uh, he looks a bit like Sylvester Stallone. He does. <laughs> you know, he, I thought he looked like somebody because I, I looked him up too. I'm like, God, what have I seen him in before? But it was nothing, you know, nothing that I would have known. But you're right. Yeah, he's got a Stallone look to him. He's got that square jaw. He's got that <laughs> tough, rugged sort of fake beard scruff going very piratey I mean, he's got like the 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 poofy hair <laughs> <laughs> so this guy was busy so right uh star trek 3 came out in 1984 he was in five films in 1984 uh including star trek 3 he was in revenge of the nerds and he was in Be- beverly hills cop and oh. a couple other ones but he was all over the place in 1984 Cool. The so, stuntman? Yeah, the stunt the stuntman. And he was also in Star Trek Six in Star Trek First Contact. So again, another a lot of these people have multiple connections to the Star Trek universe. I wonder if you've acted in one of the movies, you immediately get like, Hey, they're doing a movie. Can I be in it? Like so I feel oh. like there's there's a bunch of people that have been in a bunch of movies or shows or you know, you see a, the list of guest stars who've been on the original show that, that are in other ones or that are on Next Generation that were in Deep Space Nine and Voyager and a whole host of other ones. Yeah, I wonder, is it they just do such a good job? or But it, you'd think you'd always want new actors to be doing stuff, right? right? And not <laughs> they just don't have people. to pay someone to go out and make a new list and do new auditions. They just offer it to the guys that That's have worked true. before. If the casting right. director like already knows that you've been on the show before, it's like, hey, do you just want to come back? Hey, we need a stunt guy for this episode. You in? <laughs> yep, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I can do it. Just give me the uniform, the new uniform. Um, so uh, let's see. The captain's like, I thought you people were reliable. Not quite sure who he's talking about at this point, who the you people are. Um, and then he looks out the totally annoying window 
view screen. I don't know what it is, but it looks like garbage. That's what <laughs> it totally looks like garbage. Right? It's yeah. What what am I looking at? Is it it's terrible, right? It's it's jumpy, it's fuzzy, it's and I couldn't tell I'm like are they looking out a window or are they looking at a really bad view screen? Yeah, I couldn't tell what it was. It's just a bad blue screen effect or green screen effect or whatever. Yeah, they did not it was an afterthought. They just needed this this in between in this scene probably and they just threw something together. I think they spent all their money on the the model shots because the model for the <laughs> ship is beautiful. Yeah, it's it really is. detailed. Really detailed, yeah, agreed. Um so yeah, disappointing. I know, but you feel like their whole show is based on space. Like they've <laughs> right. gotten it right. Like they know how to do a space effect. Like, come on, man. Like couldn't they have found like any other nice, totally still shot of Starfield that they could use and just put oh. two bars in the shot? <laughs> the minute starts with them looking at it, we're looking at a Starfield. You could right. have used recycled that and just put it in a box. Yeah, just find a nice stable box to frame it in and just leave it on the screen. Would that have been that hard? Probably not. You know, you know what it could be. Here's my theory, right? So we know Leonard Nimoy's directing. We haven't talked about it too much that you know Nimoy's at the helm. Mm. Um, maybe he maybe he wanted to throw an Easter egg or something in. Maybe this is actually like a Starfield from the original series, which you know those didn't look that great, right? right. Maybe they just, maybe they're recycling Starfield in the original series. Only the Maybe. Uber nerds are going to know. Oh yeah, that was used in episode seven, season two. Uh, also, what's with all the? Also, what's with all the netting behind the guy in the the captain's chair here? Well, it's a pirate ship, right? The pirate ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like there's a blue wall and a bunch of netting over some crates in the captain's area. It's, well, yeah. it's like a smuggler vessel. It's right? that. So it's not like, very well hidden if it's a smuggler vessel. Yeah, but it's not very big. Eh. Maybe their cargo holds full. Maybe. It's hard to tell how big this ship is. I don't know how big a bird of prey is, so I don't know how to tell how big this ship is. That's a good point. Yeah, we don't. The scale is hard to tell. Um, I feel like the bird of prey is a pretty good sized ship. I mean, they're smaller than Enterprise, though, right? A bird of prey? I think it's smaller, but even then, I mean. But the Enterprise is huge. Yeah, the Enterprise is big. I feel like their little ship has got to be pretty big. I'm going to say. I'm going to say that little ship is um, the main body is as big as a bus with wings. <laughs> do you think so? Or do you think it's bigger than that? Well, I know I'm going to bring up one of Norman's uh, hated movies and bring up, you know, uh, Voyage Home. <laughs> thinking about how big the bird of prey is um, when at the very end of the movie when they uh, block the whaling vessel. Like, I feel like this is bigger this vessel is much bigger than the boat. Mm. So, so I almost feel like this is like super jumbo jet size, like almost like a, you know, one of the big bombers. Yeah. Like it's almost like that size. Like a B-12 or whatever. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I think we need to get out the blueprints, man. I'm sure somebody somewhere on the internet right. knows the specs to this this ship. Of course. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> someone out there knows exactly yeah. how big to the centimeter a bird of prey is, <laughs> and they can just figure it out from the shot. It, it wouldn't be the Star Trek Minute if we weren't guessing at some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not tricky. Um, 
not to go, I'm, I'm going to push it one level further. So going back to Norm's favorite movie, uh, <laughs> at the end of at the end of Voyage Home, when they're getting off the bird of prey and they're standing on the, you know, they're in the water and they're standing yeah. on the edge of the, they're standing on the edge of the, the, the head, the you know the 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 front portion of the bird of prey. Mm. It's not that it's not that big. So it's if the head's not that big and this thing's a lot smaller, I still think this is the size of a bus. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree. <laughs> All right, but not like not like the not like the the mini bus that they use in Spaceballs, like a proper bus, <laughs> right? Not a Winnebago, right? A proper downtown. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> moving <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> so so here we go. So this this film is is packed full of cool moments, and this is one of them here uh, because we get introduced to Valkyrus. Mm. Um, the captain says, "You know, where the hell is he?" Uh, and Valkyrus replies, "She's off screen at the moment. He's but he's been here for some time. Put me on the hailing frequency." Um, and uh, and then she kind of steps in behind him. Um, and then they immediately cut, and then you finally get, you get to see her. Um, and so this is the first time we're seeing a female Klingon. Well, since the original well, series, well, 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 is she what? a female Klingon? Well, I had that question too. Are we supposed to know at this moment that she's a Klingon? I, I don't I believe she's Klingon. Whoa, whoa! You don't think she's a Klingon? I don't. I had that question. Is she Klingon? Um, she, she does have the, like, the, the she, face she, ridge, but it's not as it's pronounced. It's not as pronounced. Yeah. yeah. So maybe because she's a pretty lady that just didn't want to do the full Klingon makeup. <laughs> I don't know. I have to... I, I, think, I, there are other, I think there are other female Klingons ac- along the way in Star Trek that don't have as pronounced of a ridge, too. Yeah, but original series Klingons look nothing like I know. Klingons. Look like, like, not like, even no. remotely. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of um, Star Trek VI. At the very end, um, the the Klingon captain that's in that one that not the is it no start I'm thinking of Star Trek Five um, when the Klingons are chasing them around. There's a female on that, and she has a pretty pronounced, you know, forehead. Hmm. Hmm. I think we're supposed to assume she's Klingon. Yeah, I think by the fact that he said, "I thought your people were, you know, reliable." I'm, I'm assuming he's connecting. Right. He says Connect. you people in a very pointed way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A little maybe disparagingly, but, um, and, uh, I, but I, but I agree. There's, there's no information in the film that really confirms that. I think in the, all the other material that we know she's a Klingon. She's Klingon. Right. So I don't I know. Just, so we get into the Canon discussion. I don't know if we can say yeah. canonically she's a Klingon. We don't know for sure, but it's a good bet. I almost feel like she's part Klingon, part Romulan. Like I just want, I just, Something screams like the outfit. Is it, is it the eyebrows the, that tell you that? <laughs> it is. It's it's just it's the whole it's the whole look. It's the outfit, the hair, the the eyebrows. It's everything that's sort of screaming at me like Romulan, not Klingon. But the only thing that really screams at me Klingon is the forehead. Yeah. Yeah, the outfit is very. Her outfit is does seem very original series Romulan e. I will give you that. Oh, interesting. As far as the, the, I don't know if she's wearing a dress or what. Uh, yeah, she's not wearing armor, right? Most of the Klingons are usually wearing armor. Right. Yeah. She's not ready for battle. Well, right. this is like a business dealing, isn't it? Like The Klingon is always ready for battle. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, did anyone notice the continuity mistake? With her, is it the outfit? Yeah. Yeah, where like when she steps into frame, it looks like there's like a big silver belt or something else right there. And then when it changes, her outfit is totally different. <laughs> it is totally different. So it's funny in the in the comic adaptation, there's two panels side by side for the same scene. And in the first panel, she's wearing a hood. Uh, and the hood, you know, kind of goes down over her, the you know, the top of her dress. Um, you know what that the, almost looks the like next- to me? It looks like with that first shot, it was a censoring thing. Oh, like oh, a yeah. cleavage? Yeah. I think so. Because it's a very close shot as she steps into frame. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. So she's got like that metal bib or whatever? Yeah. Well, like, I don't... It looks like maybe it was a censoring thing. But yeah, because it's, it's very decidedly covering her cleavage. It's like, like that's the, the 80s, point, though. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point, I'm, I'm scrubbing through it right now. So at 35 seconds in, you see that. Then you go and she. They pull back. Then you see a close up of her face, the stars. Then you see a close up again, and you see the cleavage. So I don't know if it was necessarily that. I think. I think I agree with you guys. It was. It was a mistake. Like they made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Like, to me, that screams, like, maybe initially it was a censoring thing. Like, they weren't going to show her cleavage. And then they just wound up using this shot of him. Right. Mm. Right, right. Because I don't see any other reason why you would have that piece of fabric there. It looks like an aluminum bib. Because it's also <laughs> it's also cut to shape. To yeah. fit. Yeah, to fit. Exactly. The, over it. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. That's weird. It's just weird. So maybe that was for, like, the TV edit. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Or in other countries. Or to use in trailers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or they're trying to get a G rating or something, and they this is how we would do it. And then immediately zooms out, and it's gone. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's funny, though. Like I said, I was, in the comic, it's the same thing. It's two panels side by side. In panel one, she's got this hood on with the bib. And then in the in the, <laughs> in the next panel right next to it, it's gone. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, it's, is, uh, that what the, is the collar supposed to be the hood? And the bib like comes across and attaches, almost like a like a face mask, like a veil. Yeah, maybe like a veil. Looks like a veil in the comic, but I don't know. That's All so, right, so weird. <laughs> I noticed that when we watched the minute, and I was like, "That's not the same." <laughs> Wait a minute. But the bib uh, is hanging there behind him in the shot. Yeah, it kind of is right. That yeah, just yeah, off to the side. So a little bit on Valkyris. Uh, she's played by Kathy Sharif. Uh, she's been in a host of stuff. Uh, some interesting things. I just pulled out a, a Vampira from 1974. She wow. was in all that all that jazz, 1979. Um, and then what I remember her from, uh, she was a, a one of the co-hosts of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, with oh man, I love Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> she was the co-host in season one. Um, so that's what I. That's yeah. That was. I'm like, oh yeah, that was such a good show. I, I would totally go back and watch that show now. <laughs> Man, I always right. think. I always think of another like weird show whenever I think of Star Trek because Jonathan Frakes hosted Factor Fiction. Oh yeah, that was him. I never saw that one. Yeah, weird. where they told you like several stories, like as short stories in an episode. It's like which one's true, which one's not. Huh. Was that before or after? Next, gen- was next generation. After. after. Pretty sure it was after. Because next gen was uh, late, late 80s. Late 80s to early 90s, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Well, what do we got next? <clears throat> uh, 
we've got uh, oh Valkyrie actually speaks so, so she yep. uh, commander commander Krug this is Valkyrie and then she switches to Klingon yep. uh, and says she's purchased the Genesis data ready to transmit yep um, and I have to keep reminding myself that I'm glad they pronounced his name it's Krug yep not Kruge <laughs> so I think I always want to say Kruge yeah the um, Klingon it's a hard G yeah. yes Krug. Yeah, the subtitle on the screen should be, I have purchased the Genesis data, and then the second line is ready to transmit. But I think the novelization is different. Oh, is it? Um, I believe it's, uh, she says, I have obtained the Federation data. Oh. So it's a little different in the novelization. A little more subtle, I think, if saying that, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and um, you guys all picked up that this is a dubbed line. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. What? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I I did not always that notice that, like in movies. Yeah, I always notice when really it doesn't bad. match. Yeah. She's speaking English, and they dubbed her line over. Was she speaking English, and they dubbed in Klingon, or was it just she just nope, trying to lip sync? She, she actually says, "I have purchased the Genesis data, ready to transmit." In, in the, English. In English, and they oh, they dubbed over in her saying the words in Klingon. Oh. Well, they did that in Rathacon, too. With, they uh, did. With uh, Savick and Spock speaking Vulcan. Yep. I believe at the time, I read somewhere at the time, of, they weren't sure whether or not she was going to speak Klingon, and they made the decision to have her record the the line in in English, and then they, they dubbed over it. It is interesting how they, they, could, they do go back and forth quite a bit throughout the film with... Uh, lines being delivered in Klingon and then mm. sometimes being delivered in English. And, right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't really tell rhyme or reason like what you know, they were doing it for any particular... It seemed random to me. You know, like, are they doing it for emphasis? Or I could never really quite tell. But uh, um, I like listening to them do Klingon. Klingon's yes. a fun language. <laughs> it is. Do you know who came up with the original Klingon? Uh, do I know? No. So, actually, in Star Trek The Motion Picture, where we actually first hear the Klingon language, it was invented by James Doohan and, what? and producer John Pavel. That's awesome. Scotty came up with it? Yep. They came up with like this basic language. To uh, At the very beginning of the movie, we see the Klingons, and they had to come up with just a couple of phrases, and that's what they came up with. That's really cool. I didn't awesome. know that. And then they passed it over to when they made this movie. Um, Nimoy had said to Harv Bennett, "said I want like a language, so you need to come up with something." So they hired Mark Okrand, and he developed a full Klingon language. Just based off those those. Just based of off those couple of words that they came up with in the motion picture. That's awesome. And those original lines still fit in what Klingon became after getting the full language treatment. I believe so. Yeah, that name, Mark. What's his name again? That, that's Okrand. Yeah, he's the guy. Didn't he like write the Klingon yep. dictionary and stuff? He's yep. yeah. Uh, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know Scotty came up with Klingon. Yeah, neither did I until I did the research for this. I was like, where did Klingon come from? And I, Mark's name was all over the place, and I was like, but there was Klingon in the motion picture. Like, who came up with that? Mm-hmm. I guess I had always assumed that it was Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, me too. Yeah, nope. Very cool. There's a t-shirt idea in there somewhere. I got to think of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so <clears throat> what do we get? So uh, she calls out to Commander Krug, and then we hear him respond in English. Well done, Valkyrus. Well done. Um, and of course, it's a famous, you can't, you know, mistake Christopher Lloyd's voice. I know, I smiled. I smiled when I heard it in the minute. <laughs> I'm, I was really happy that there was any of Krug in the minutes that we're talking about, because it's one of the first things I always think of when I think of this movie. I'm like, ah, Christopher Lloyd was a Klingon. <laughs> And people must have recognized his voice at the time because of his five years on Taxi. Yeah, that's what I was. I meant to go look. I think so. Back to the Future hadn't come out yet, right? Right. So it was the year we, after this. The year after. So most of us would know if you knew him, you'd know him from Taxi. Yeah, because ta- and Taxi ended the year before this. Okay. Huh. I I've only seen a couple episodes of Taxi, and I'm ashamed to admit I don't I don't know it very well. But um, most people so probably my, just know- connect Andy Kaufman with Taxi. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so no, none of us would be expecting to hear a great Scott out of <laughs> Krug at this point. It'd be more of a was it Reverend Jim? Was that his character? Yeah, in, well, in it taxi? Like a, yeah, it was like a drunker. Well, he was he was very he was very wacky. odd in the show. All he ever plays is wacky. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we hear Krug, um, and then we get back to our my you know favorite view screen, and we see some even worse effects of the starfield blinking and i don't know what we're supposed to be seeing <laughs> I, I know what we're supposed to see but it's like what it's, this is awful um the captain says what the hell is you know and gets interrupted and then we hear krug speak again in klingon um and i don't know david david you do you have that line memorized or was it just me no, it's just so weak you know whatever it is uh <laughs> <laughs> too hot you did it so well offline. It was great. I know. <laughs> do, do you, I was so that, prepared for you to. Uh, to have I'm sorry. Me. I'm sorry. Um, but that was not subtitled. But so, Dave, do you do you know what he's saying there in Disengage English? Cloaking device. Nice. Nice makes Perfect. sense. <laughs> It'd be funny if he said something else, but that's very appropriate for. Um, yeah, Wait and then I you get just get of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then you get this great shot of of the merchantman just kind of sitting out in space and the sound the sound design yeah awesome um and then you just see the the bird of prey just fade into view just taking up almost the whole screen uh, uh you know over the merchantman it's a great great intro uh to the bird of prey yeah that the the merchant ship looks like it's roughly the same size as the body of the bird of prey it's mm. a little like like two-thirds of the size i think it's hard yeah, to tell. like bus size. Oh, well, maybe not. Are we back there? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like its its whole footprint is about the size as like the body of the bird of prey, but it's obviously not that big because it needs to be filled out more. Yeah. So yeah, I like. I mean, it's, I wish we had a little bit more in this minute to to see the you know the, the ship more clearly because it's still all kind of distorted as it's coming out of cloak, but you can see the you can see the the painting of the wings on the underside, uh, which I love. It's a great, uh, just a great touch. Ah, man. I like, we were watching this minute, um, for the first time in preparation and the decloaking happened. And I was just like, Oh man, I love Star Trek so much. And like this, (laughs) this, this like five seconds is like pretty much not like why I love Star Trek, but like a big reason because like the, just I don't know. I really like all the model work and the ship work and just like the idea of all these 
crazy ships like being invisible and zooming through space and stuff. It's just like, ah, I don't know. There's just something about it that connects to me on a, on a deep level. It's probably because my parents watch Star Trek, so. That's the first it's thing. It's like in my genetics. <laughs> right. It's like the first thing that I think of when I think of like invisibility technology is Star Trek. Yeah. Mm. So the first thing I think of is, oh, Romulan cloaking devices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not... Cloaking isn't used a lot in sci-fi, is it? Or am I just... Am I, it's not it's, in Star Wars, right? Yeah, it's not used in Star Wars so. at all until... It, except in expanding universe novels, because Luke, I think Luke figures out how to make stuff invisible with the Force. What? Awesome. Oh, like, well, that's not canon anymore. Right, like bending them. light with the Force around mm-hmm. objects. That's pretty cool, actually. I, I'll give him that one. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> And that's not even the craziest thing he can do in the expanded universe. Yeah, looks looks like a god in yeah, the Yeah, you, know, you just walk up to someone invisibly and just chop him in half. <laughs> <laughs> that's not very he light. Do that. Yeah, I was going to say that's not very Jedi. Guy. <laughs> awesome. Well, that gets us to the end of the minute. Unfortunately, right? We just get ah, end right there. Um, so, well, first of all, do you guys have any other notes on on the minute? Um, I don't think so. No, I mean, uh, my major thing was like, oh, that dubbing is bad. Yeah, the dubbing was really distracting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, Cassandra and Norm, are there any, any other, you know, Star Trek three thoughts you want to share or, you know, um, general stuff you want to talk about before we wrap things up? Um, I think that this these three minutes have definitely made me want to sit down and rewatch this movie because it has been so long. Um, it just makes me in the mood to watch Star Trek in general. So that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. That is awesome. I mean, I, I just want to rewatch it because it's my favorite one. I think I'm so excited about this shot because we've been in like high fantasy land for so long. And yeah. this is like really high sci-fi and yeah. I haven't had sci-fi in a while. And, like, and sci-fi oh. is like not really my thing, but I love Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, Star Trek. So, start, Star Wars is like space fantasy, but yeah. Star Trek is a little. Yeah. Bit. Yep. Uh, well, great. Cool. Um, so yeah, do you want? Uh, we haven't really. You've been on all week, but we haven't really asked you. So you, you, you guys are doing Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. You're 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 just about wrapped up, and by the time this airs, I think you'll have finished Fellowship of the Ring, which is awesome. But uh, what what else have you guys got got in the works? What are, what are the projects you're working on? Um, well, we'll be back for Two Towers early next year, I think. Um, and I am on a Doctor Who podcast. I don't know if any of your listeners. Uh, watch Doctor Who, but I host that with um, Scott and Nick from Back to the Future Minute, um, and that's a lot of fun. And you can check out all the other plethora of stuff um, going on at DuelingGenre.com. That's where we live, and then there's a bunch of other stuff happening. So. A veritable cornucopia. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, I've, I listened. That's the Doctor's Companion, right? Yes. Yes, I, uh, I'm. I'm a. My my doctor is uh, the fourth doctor. That's ah. the one I grew up on. He is my favorite Tom Baker. Um, so I have listened to your Tom Baker episodes. Oh, awesome! Enjoyed them. So yeah. should, I'll ask Scott, and uh, we'll have you on for some of the Tom Baker stuff. Oh, that would be exciting! I would love that. <laughs> uh, cool, Norm. How about you? Any any other any other projects you've got going on, or things you want to share? Uh, no, I'm I'm just I'm just Lord of the You're Rings. You're just the Lord of the Rings guy. 
Right. <laughs> oh, just 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 that. Just a just, just this you know, two hundred and some odd episode podcast. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, like she was a she's in the podcast stuff first, and then minute podcast conversations happened, and there was like jokingly like we should do Lord of the Rings minute, and I was like, yes, <laughs> we should. Wow. Amazing. That's you guys. Like I said, I, I admire, admire you for tackling uh, such a huge movie. I mean, it's an awesome movie. It's, it's fantastic, but uh, yeah, what, what a, a marathon it's been for you guys. That's great. Thank you. Uh, it's been an experience. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have you guys on when we do two towers. Cool. Ooh, that's fantastic. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, then let's wrap it up. Uh, we'll go enjoy our weekend. Um, I'm going to just uh, re- ask the viewers. Um, we are doing a challenge uh, uh, this season. Uh, it's a challenge for us, a challenge for listeners. Um, we're looking to get at least 50 ratings and reviews on iTunes, uh, in part because we're no longer the Wrath of Khan Minute. We're now the Star Trek Minute. So we are competing with a lot of other Star Trek podcasts out there. Uh, when we were Wrath of Khan Minute, there's only only one or two, so it was, uh, we did pretty well. People could find us easily. Um, uh, so if we get some more ratings and reviews, I think people will be able to find us uh, more frequently on iTunes, and we'd really appreciate it. So if you can uh, hop out there, that'd be great. And uh, we will be back here again on Monday with Minute 10 of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye. 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 Eat you hot.